So we've been in a series since Easter called um, Contagious. We've been looking at certain ways of being that are actually a good kind of contagious, right? That could create an epidemic of hope and goodness in the world. And um, I, <laughs> I was at my son's talent show this week. It was the last week of school, and there's a talent show. And so I'm at the talent show, and one of the kids in the talent show, her talent was going to be hula hooping for a ridiculous amount of time. And she's, she read a book while she was hula hooping out loud. I mean, she did it for like, it seemed like 27 minutes, but it was probably more like four. But I noticed at one point as I'm watching her do this, I noticed the person who's sitting right here next to me is looking at me like I'm a crazy person. And then I realized I was sitting over there watching her doing this. Like literally, it was contagious. I was sucked into the hula hooping. And it's interesting how those things can happen to us. We get pulled into something and we're not even necessarily aware of it. What if we were able to do that with actual good things? What if instead of hate, what if instead of anger, what if instead of violence, what if we were able to be pulled into a, a revolution, an epidemic, a pandemic of goodness, of compassion, of hope? And so this week and next week, we're wrapping up this series. Today, we're going to talk a bit about peace, and next week, we're going to talk a bit about community, and then the next week will be the day of Pentecost, and we'll talk more about that when it gets here. But I want to begin with a scripture. I want to begin with this text that we actually looked at when we talked about joy, the first part of it. It's from Philippians chapter 4, and I want to read the whole section. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Can you imagine, side note, pause, can you imagine if when people thought about Christians, like people who are part of the Christian tradition, what if their first thought was, those are some gentle people? Do you think that's where people go now? Probably not. Like we're, we're te- We tend to be known to be abrasive. What if we were known as gentle Do not worry about anything. Oh, the Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. We could talk about that for eight weeks. Uh, But this is the part I want to focus on. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Now, we could talk a lot about, and at some point it'd be interesting to have a conversation about prayer and what it is and how it works, although if you have information on that, I'm sure lots of us would love to know, uh, because no, it's sort of a mystery, right? Um, but this, this, this sort of tag onto that is, here's the thing you can sort of take to the bank. Peace is possible for you. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, can be yours. What is Peace. I mean, it's a word we use a lot, right? Like when we leave rooms, we sometimes go, peace, right? And we walk out and and we say it and we hear about it and people talk about it and we have um, treaties about it and we have meetings about it in the world. But what is peace? I think when we think about peace, we generally probably go immediately to the cessation of conflict, right? That there are two parties or more who are at each other and they're hurting each other and they get together and decide we're not going to hurt each other anymore, right? It's an end to hostility, which is a really, really good thing. We need an end to hostility in our world. Would you agree? Think about this. America is going to be 243 this year. We're going to have our 243rd birthday. For 226 of those years, we have been at war. At some point in the year, we have had a military conflict with another group of people or country. That is 93% of our history as a country has been spent in combat in some form or another. 
And as this weekend on Memorial Day, we're honoring and acknowledging the um, sacrifice that so many people paid. I think the best way to honor them is to say, we need less war. We need fewer people losing their lives in conflict. But I don't think that peace primarily in the Bible is just about that. I think it's about that, but I think it actually transcends it, and it's, it's, about, it's about you and me, and it's about how we live our lives, and it's about how we treat one another and how we feel about ourselves. It's this bigger concept, because I think one of the reasons that the world can't finally be at peace ever is because in so many ways, you and I aren't at peace, really. We're not at peace with each other all the time. We're not at peace with ourselves all the time. We live in this state of anxious conflict. So if we're going to bring peace on earth, which I am all for and all about, if we're going to bring peace on earth, it has to begin in us. It has to begin in our own lives, in our own relationships, in our own experiences. So in the, in the Bible, the word peace in, in the New Testament is this Greek word, irene, but Jesus and all of his disciples were Jewish, right? They weren't Greeks, they, they were Jewish, and they would have been familiar with the Hebrew word for peace, which is the word shalom. How many of you have heard this word before? It's a pretty common word, word shalom. Shalom gets translated peace, but it's actually much bigger than that. Shalom, it really means wholeness, completeness, health, tranquility, calmness, contentment, and safety. Can you see why they would just sum it up in the word peace, though? <laughs> it's hard to fit all that in to one sentence. So we just say peace. So when somebody would say to you, uh, shalom, or when somebody says peace be with you, and a lot of times in church settings when somebody says peace be with you, everybody says what back? And also with you, right? So we're passing the peace. What is that ultimately saying? It's not saying, I hope you don't get in a fight at lunch. Don't forget, you can't punch people and follow Jesus, right? It's not that. It's saying something else. It's saying, may the presence of wholeness and calm, and tranquility, and health, and everything good be in you, around you, on you, and may you pass that on to everybody you come in contact with, right? It's this much larger invitation. So I think most of us understand peace as an end to hostility. Like it's the theories up there, swords beaten into plowshares, right? We get that. But the way we get there, the way that world comes about, is when we do some work on peace in our own experience, in our own lives. So I want to focus on two ways, two sort of byproducts, two things that peace brings in, into our lives and then as a result of that into the world. And the first one is wholeness. Peace is about wholeness. It's about something being brought together and mended and healed. There's a story in the New Testament, in the book of Luke. It's a story about a woman who had a chronic medical condition. She, had a, she was experiencing a chronic hemorrhage. And as a result of this, she was considered to be religiously impure and unclean, which means that she would be cut off and uh, sort of separated out from the rest of society. She couldn't even touch someone else without passing on her uncleanness. Now, you have to think about what that would be like. Uh, I, I tend to be a really social person. There are times I need little pockets of alone time, but generally, if I'm by myself, I'm going to end up talking to myself because I like to be social. I, like, I love human contact. Can you imagine what it would be like if your everyday existence was cut off and separated? No human contact. Everybody was afraid of you, that you would somehow defile them. And this woman hears Jesus is coming through town, and the story talks about the crowd surrounding him being so vast and packed like sardines. Uh, I don't know what the 
Hebrew word for sardine is, but they're so packed together like sardines. This woman sees an opening and she sort of crawls through the crowd, reaches out and grabs the hem of Jesus' robe and she's healed. And that's when the story gets interesting because Jesus wants to know who touched him. Notice this text from Luke 8. He asks, who touched me? And the disciples sort of say, Jesus, there are a few people here. Who knows who touched you? Everybody, right? Everybody touched you? But when the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. You realize why she's trembling. She is unclean. And now she has gone through a crowd touching people, right? And then touching this great teacher. And so in her mind, in her world, she has made everybody unclean. And and notice what Jesus does. He looks at her. And he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. When Jesus says to her, your faith has made you well, go in peace. What is he saying to her? Is he saying, go and hopefully you won't get into any conflict? I think he's saying something much larger. And see, I, I have come to believe that these, whatever happened in the physical realm, I think there's something much more social going on in this story. Because Jesus takes this woman who every, everybody's been taught to be afraid of, and publicly, she has been publicly marginalized. And what does Jesus do? He publicly restores her to the community. He publicly pronounces a wholeness on her. It's a powerful story. It's a story of wholeness. When he says, go in peace, he's saying, go in wholeness. Go become a whole, healed, put put back together human being. I've come to believe whatever religion is or whatever the spirit, whatever word you're comfortable with, uh, religion, spiritual life, whatever that is, it is primarily about a journey toward wholeness. That, that's what it's about. Like that's what it, it was meant to be about. Whatever religion or spirituality is, it's a journey toward wholeness. Now, here's the problem. Too often religion hasn't contributed to our wholeness, but it's actually contributed to our fragmentation, Right? It hasn't made us whole people, it's actually broken us in new ways. Which is really, really tragic, because the word religion and its, its Latin roots, it, the, the base is the word lig, which is where we get our word ligament. And what does a ligament do? It attaches bone and muscle and stuff like that, right? It, it puts things together. So in its original linguistic context, religion is about joining together, uniting, bringing together into one body or wholeness. It's about Healing, it's about wholeness. And in so many realms and in so many experiences, religion has not lived up to its name, has it? For so many people, religion is a source of disconnection. It's a place where they're made to feel worthless. It's a place where they're made to feel rejected. It's a place where they're made to feel like they'll just never, ever, ever measure up. But at its core, religion is about wholeness. Jesus speaks to this woman and he says, wholeness, peace, peace be with you. Go in peace. Go knowing that you are not defined by the thing that marginalized you. You are not defined by their rejection. You are are defined now as a whole human being. So when we talk about bringing peace on earth, peace becomes possible when you and I do the work to become whole people. Right? And sometimes that's difficult. I mean, this woman could have stayed where she was and really, really wanted wholeness, but instead she took a daring risk to get it. And as long as we are seeking the comfort of, of being on the sideline, risking nothing, wholeness is going to elude us. 
if we're not willing to wrestle with our shadow, if we're not really willing to think about um, what we've been through, if we're not willing to do the process, wholeness will elude us. But yet that is the very thing. That's why you're here today, right? Like deep down, I, I don't believe most of you are here because nobody invited you to a, like a cookout or brunch. Like I, I think you're here because there's something, there's a, a, a yearning, a longing for something. And I think that longing is... We want to be whole, complete people, and we want to do that in the context of other people who are doing the same thing, who can encourage us and support us and come alongside us. Peace begins with wholeness, with becoming a certain kind of person. And then I love this idea of calm, that, that peace, that shalom is about calm. There's another story about Jesus in the New Testament where he, is, he and his disciples are out on the lake. They spent a lot of time on the lake. Uh, a lot of time on the water in boats. And in this one particular story, um, they're out on the lake when a big storm uh, comes up. Uh, can we put that text up from Ma- Mark? Oh. Let me just tell you about it. Is that cool? So Jesus is on a boat with his disciples, and a storm pops up. And they're, they, they're panicking, and they realize that Jesus is, like, in the boat asleep on a cushion. And they panic and they wake him up and they're offended and they say something like, how could you, how could you be asleep at a time like this? Um, which reminds me that one time I slept through a tornado, I've slept through a tornado and an earthquake. Like I get there and I stay there. You know what I mean? This was both before children, but I can, you can get the panic. Where, like I remember my wife woke me up and I look out the window and it's like strobe lightning going off outside. And my words to her were, it's fine, go back to sleep. And we get up the next morning and there's like a tornado over there. So, you know, I get it. You, you, can, you can be, she was a little frustrated probably that I slept through a tornado. Um, Jesus' disciples are like, don't you care? Don't you, aren't you like man overboard? Let's do something. And Jesus stands up and he speaks to the sea and to the wind and the waves. And he says, peace, be still. And then calm came. Peace, be still. And calm came. Jesus is not talking about conflict. He's talking about a situation of chaos and he's bringing calm to it. I don't know what your life is like, um, but I know that lots of times my life is anything but calm. I think that there's, um, sometimes we feel really anxious, right? Sometimes we feel like things are going way too fast, and we have no idea how to process it. Sometimes, how many of you have ever done this? You, You are so like, ah, that you just lash out at the person closest to you, and you're like, where did that come from? And then somebody says to you, you need to calm down. And you're like, I'm calm. <laughs> right? Anybody been there? Oh, you're, you're really, really calm. And yet the invitation of peace, shalom, is to enter into a calmness. Several years ago, when our church in Kentucky was going through a lot of the same um, journey Grace Point has gone through, uh, I got a phone call one morning and basically found out that there were a group of people who were really, really upset, and that they were holding a secret meeting to figure out how to get rid of me. I hadn't even had coffee yet, (laughs) right? And I immediately was just shredded on the inside for so many reasons. Some of those people I thought were my friends, and they'd said nothing to me, but they were going to do this behind my back, and I was just so, so anxious. And to make it worse, I had an appointment to get a recall done on my car, so I'm sorting this out in the lobby of a Kia dealership. And so I have three friends who have been through similar things, and I text all three of them and just said, can we talk sometime today? And all three of them wrote back almost immediately, yeah, just call me whenever. And I call all three of them, and none of them, they didn't know about this, and they didn't know that I'd talk to the other ones. And 
verbatim, almost to a T, they all said the same thing to me. Here's what they said. Your only job right now is to be a non-anxious presence. I was like, no, your only job right now is to be a non-anxious presence. <laughs> non-anxious presence. Did I tell you what was going on? They've got pitchforks and torches. Calm, anxious, pre non-anxious presence. Are you kidding me? And it's amazing that thinking about, like, how did you get there? How are you on the boat in the storm and, and, and just going, it's fine. I'm a calm, non-anxious presence. Like, how do you get there? I, I think peace is ultimately partly about embracing our limits. A major source of anxiety for most of us is worrying about a bunch of stuff that we can't change. You know, I, I, I could not change that those people were upset with me. I couldn't change that they wanted me to go away. And I couldn't change the hurt that brought. The only thing I could do was embrace my limit when my initial impulse is, I want to go and I want to defend myself, right? That's not calm. That's not non-anxious. Why am I doing it? Because I'm anxious, <laughs> right? Peace is about knowing your limits. It's about knowing that I can't do everything. I can't do everything. I want to sometimes. Uh, those of you who know the Enneagram, I think I've said this. I'm in Enneagram 7. I want to do all the things, but only if they're fun. I want to do all that. But there are some things I just can't do. I have limits. There's some things I can't change. There's people I can't make inroads with. There's situations that pop up all the time that I have zero control over. And those are the situations that, that just tend to cling to us and go like a loop in our brain. And there's something powerful about saying, I can't do a thing. The only thing I can do right now is to pay attention to my insides and to pay attention to the person I'm becoming in this moment. Will I let this change me? Will I let this anxiety drive me to make decisions that are reckless or unhelpful or that would just create more problems and that would create more wounds? Or will I learn somehow to rest in this moment? Will I allow the words that were said to the storm to be said to my heart, peace, be still? Will I embrace that as a possibility in those moments? Because anxiety is contagious. Have you ever experienced this? How when one person's sort of like, up here, anxious, it's, it just passes from person to person, right? Especially if you're somehow like in leadership, like, or you're a parent. Like one of the things I've found is our kids can sense it from eight houses down. You know what I mean? Like when we're anxious, they get anxious and then everybody's anxious and that's not good for anybody because anxiety is contagious. It can pass from person to person. You get a group full of people together in a room and somebody starts, it's going to pass. It's going to pass to other people. I have this vivid, vivid memory when I was a senior in high school, um, going to a, a, a Southern Baptist church in my hometown. And we had a revival that week and the speaker had come in and it was Thursday night. You know what happens on Thursday nights of revival, right? The same thing that happens on Thursday night at VBS. Like we're going to save all y'all, right? Whether you need it or not, you're getting it, right? And so we had this, this um, revivalist and he preached about it was his interpretation of the unpardonable sin. There's this line in the Gospels where Jesus says something and that people have made a big deal about it. And he preached on the unpardonable sin, which was you, can't, you can do a thing that is so heinous that God will not forgive you even if you beg for it. Now, it just so happens that that same night, and there was weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth during that altar call. You better believe it. That same night, kid you not, 
we also experienced a severe storm and ended up having a tornado warning. And it seems like I've been through a lot of tornadoes, but it's just not true. Uh, and then lightning hit a transformer. And so we could see outside there were sparks going everywhere. So they're like, they said, everybody has to get down to the church basement right away. And so we all go down to the basement and all of us are crammed in a room about that big. And there's, you know, maybe a couple hundred of us and we're all standing there. And there's this, and I, I know this kid, I don't know him real well still, but I remember him. I see him online now. He's a grown up and he has a nice, fine life. But this night the kid was unraveling. He had just been told about the unforgivable sin and, and now, so he's going around to, from person to person getting saved. He got saved like 42 times in that little church. Like person to person. He, then while people, like, people are freaking out, like, is this it? Is it curtains? Somebody stands up, not an official church spokesperson, stands up and says, everybody listen to me. I have something to say. Everybody calls, okay. So he's going to say something to bring calm. And he begins with this. We are all probably going to die tonight. So literally, somebody reaches up, grabs him by the arm, and goes, and sits him right down. But the minute he said that, it was like, like all throughout the room, people were losing it. Everybody was worried. Everybody was anxious. And it was just, it it, it was was an epidemic. It went from person to person. Even nice, normal, rational people were like, well, this is it. It's curtains. That kid said so. Like, it's over. But I'll tell you something else. I, I found that just as anxiety, anxiety is contagious, so is peace. When there is a calm presence, it can change everything. The week my wife and I got married, I was driving through town, and somebody pulled out of the post office and T-boned me. And I'd, I'd been in several little fender bender type accidents. I'd never been in the car with the airbags deployed, and it happened. No, they should tell you that those things let out smoke. this woman hits me, airbags come out, I'm a little disoriented, and then I see smoke. And I immediately begin to panic. The car is on fire, it's going to explode. And I was so like panicked that I couldn't get my seatbelt, and I didn't have one of those like, I didn't have like a Bowie knife where I could just cut the thing off and run. Like, I feel like I am trapped in this car, there's fire coming out of it, this is it, it's over. And about that time, and I didn't know, I was still new in Morgantown. I didn't know people yet, but there was a guy who's a paramedic who went to the church and he steps around to the side of my car and he says, Hey, Josh, you don't know me, um, but I go to your church and I'm a paramedic. And what is happening right now is completely normal. That's just the airbags doing what they're supposed to do. And you're going to be fine. I'm going to help you get out of your seatbelt and we're going to come over here and I'm just going to look at you to make sure there's nothing wrong. And he was calm and he was together. And he came to me in that, wow. And it's like everything that was moving so fast and spinning just stopped. And I was able to get my bearings. And I was able to realize, oh, it's gonna, I'm going to be okay. This is going to be fine. Oh, the seatbelt's not really stuck. It was just me jerking on it before I hit the button. Gotcha. I was doing what it's supposed to do, keeping me in the seat. Um, and there was something about that moment I'll never forget about somebody coming alongside me when I was panicking and just saying very calmly, you're going to be fine. We're going to get you out of here. We're going to make sure everything's okay going to total your car probably, but that's okay, right? Anxiety is contagious, but so is peace. Coming alongside people in those moments when the storm is raging and just speaking to them calmly, you're going to be okay. I don't don't know, maybe you've come out of like an intense week and everything's been moving so fast and it feels like the wind is howling. I just want you to know you're going to be okay. 
you're not alone. You're not the only human being to go through a storm. You're not the only human being to have anxiety. You're not alone. Keep going. It's going to be okay. Are you with me? Yeah. So, um, I I think it's sometimes practical to talk about how. And this is one of those things I think I told you last week. Richard Rohr says, uh, you can't take people somewhere you haven't been. And I agree with him on most everything. He's not right about that. My job on a weekly basis is to get up and take you places that I'm currently trying to get. <laughs> so um, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a non-anxious presence all the time. I am sometimes, but not all the time. Uh, it's a journey, and it's something that has fits and starts. Um, it's not another thing to like, feel guilty about. Well, I lost my cool today, so I'm not a good person. But here are a few things that I found helpful in trying to become a more peaceful person. First, uh, I, I've learned, and this is something a counselor told me once, that you have to tell yourself the truth. How many of the messages that we speak to ourselves are just grounded in something that is not true? I mean, right, the reality is that most of the things I say to myself, I probably wouldn't say to another human being. So tell yourself what's true. Are you the worst human being that's ever lived? Of course not. Are you this broken human being who has no hope of wholeness or transformation? Of course not. Will your past always define you? Of course not. Are you right now completely finished product and this is who you have to be forever? No, of course not. Right? You have to tell yourself the truth. You have to begin with the fact that you're a beloved creation of God, that you exist in the world, that you matter. You tell yourself the truth. And even when something goes wrong, even when you completely mess up and you completely blow it, tell yourself the truth. Yeah, I'm I'm a human being, and I made a mistake, and I'm going to learn from it, and it's not going to define me. So I think becoming a calm, non-anxious presence, becoming a whole person, becoming a calm person, begins with just regularly telling yourself, taking the, there's this great line of the Bible where Paul says, we take all thoughts captive. Like, taking those thoughts and, and speaking truth to them. Because when you turn on the light, the shadows run away. So it begins with telling ourselves the truth. And then I think it, it also involves carving out intentional space, I know that there are the moments where I get thrown into a situation and I've done no preparation for it. I've not prepared all week. I haven't had time. I haven't had calmness. I haven't done any sort of um, meditation. I haven't done anything, right? I've just been living from one thing to the next and I'm exhausted. That is a right time for me to be whatever the opposite of a non-anxious presence is. So when we're not prepared, we get thrown into a situation and we're like, I don't know why I didn't handle that better. That's the same thing I used to ask when I was in my undergrad and I would go to class and fail a test. Like, why didn't I pass it? I didn't read anything. Wasn't even sure what the class was in the beginning. Right? I mean, you can't do something you haven't prepared for. And so if we aren't preparing ourselves, if we aren't thinking, if we aren't having moments of quiet and solitude where we're able to process our thoughts and our pain and all that stuff, why in the world would we expect anything other um, than the opposite of non-anxious presence. And, and then lastly, I'll say this. I think we have to seek to be that presence, that non-anxious. And I don't think it's ever going to just, it just has not yet for me become natural. Like I haven't been in a situation and gone, I am now a non-anxious presence with zero effort. No, sometimes I have to think to myself, you need to be calm because a lot of other people aren't being calm right now. And when we're not calm, we say crazy things. One of the things I've found is um, on the internet, People can say what they want. Have you learned this? Yeah. 
on the internet, and one of the things I found was there would be times where I would do something on the internet or people would just find out that I existed as a living human being. And people would start saying a lot of things, critical things, mean things, picking apart sermons, picking apart. And my initial response that I always wanted to do was, because I, I can be kind of sarcastically quick, and I just wanted to type out responses that were like, yeah, you were, you know what I mean? Like just back at them. And one of the things I learned because I had good people around me who were like, nope, can't do that, is you can actually begin to tell yourself, all right, everybody else is losing their mind. What do I need to do? I probably need to breathe. And I probably just need to say nothing right now because nothing I can say is going to make this situation any better. Knowing my limit. I think the greatest gift we were given is the ability to breathe. To breathe. I, I couldn't say that without laughing at myself, but it, not just because it keeps us alive, it's the thing that helps keep us calm. When you pay attention to that breath and your only, like your only job in that moment is to take it, let one out and take another one. To let that one out and receive another one. To let that one out and receive another one. That's all you have to do in that moment. Peace. Yes, it's about not being in conflict. It's about erasing hostility, but it's about so much more. It's about, it's about realizing that there's a journey toward wholeness that is built into whatever the word religion is about. It's about this journey together toward wholeness and meaning and healing. And it's about living with this calmness, cultivating this kind of calmness um, so that we, in those moments, can come alongside people and say, you're going to be okay. The story doesn't end here. You're going to be okay. Are you with me? Let's pray. God, we're um, grateful for this breath and for the next one. May we acknowledge each breath as a gift. May we acknowledge that the very fact that we're living beings alive here in the world is a gift. I'm thinking specifically this morning of our friends in the room who come in and they have had a hard week and they have been in the middle, maybe it's been a hard month or a hard year, a hard decade, whatever, and they come in today and they're carrying a lot, anxiety and fear and worry. Some, some of us may be carrying around regret and shame. Some of us may be playing a tape in our head about us that just isn't true. It's our prayer today that you begin right where we are, through our, through our inner voice to speak to us, to call us toward truth, to saying the things about us that are really true, to acknowledging our belovedness, to acknowledging that this moment isn't the moment that will define us, and that whatever we're going through, we can hear those words to the storm, peace be still, knowing that even in a storm we can find and ground ourselves in a sense of peace and calm. So wherever we are on this journey, um, may we have open hearts, open minds, and we breathe deeply. And may we know that this is just the next step on the journey. We ask this gratefully. Everybody said, amen. amen.